0: words of reconciliation and the action of reconciling going on. Um, And we also celebrate tomorrow a reconciliation service at seven in the evening. I told you last week that I was going to use the reconciliation uh, Eucharistic prayer for three weeks in a row, so I'll read it again today. And in it, it always celebrates God as the one who is reaching out to us to reconcile us, to reconnect us. And when we let this God in that touches the deepest part of our souls and can bring healing, well, then we can find that we, we can be reconciled to God from our side. He's always reconciling us. We can be reconciled to one another. And best of all, and sometimes most needed of all, we can even be reconciled to our own selves, deep within ourselves. I still have people who come to confession to me and And they'll say, Father, I've been confessing this for 40 years. I don't know if I've been forgiven. And I always say, what? Is your sin so big, so powerful that God can't even forgive you? Well, that's not what I'm saying, Father. I say, yes, you are. If you celebrate 40 years ago that God forgave you, let him forgive you. And just be grateful. That's reconciliation. So the word today says the people were reconciled with the land in their first reading, they, they finally uh, didn't have manna from the heavens, but they were eating the fruit of the land. We're told that we're reconcilers because we've been reconciled by Christ and the cross. So we should be ambassadors to go out into the world to talk about this reconciliation. And let me tell you, the world needs it more than ever. When we're right on the brink of a, a world war, and and one man, one man can say the word and caused thousands to die, millions to leave their own land. Most of their cities devastated, people maimed for life. And what will happen inside them? Will they ever be able to forgive Russia? Will they? I don't know. So today we celebrate reconciliation and the possibility of it. And we get it in this tremendous story. This is one of the great ones. And um, I want to ask a couple questions. Don't answer if you were at my other Masses, okay? I don't want you to cheat and give the answer, okay? I want to know if you heard this. In this Gospel, Jesus was talking to some people, and uh, the context is really important. Who was he telling this story to? Who? No. No. But that was a good gift. Who? Pharisees. Scribes and Pharisees. Um, he was talking to the tax collectors and the, and the prostitutes and all the sinners because they were attracted to Jesus. Jesus must have just been an extraordinary teacher. So the most sinful group in the community were coming to him to listen to his words. They were finding life. And as he's speaking to them, and they're coming up and touching and hugging him, no doubt— the, the, the justified ones, the ones who thought they were better than everybody else, are talking about Jesus, and there he is again, eating with tax collectors, eating with the impure people. And Jesus heard it. So he stopped talking to them, and he turned to them, and he says, I have a parable to tell you, and this is the story. So we, need, we know the whole story. No need to go through it in great detail. There's some highlights in it. It's just such a, a, a remarkable story to have a, a boy, a spoiled brat, I should say, the goo-goo, the young one. He goes up to his dad, and his dad is very much alive, and he's in the room. And he says, Dad, I want half of everything. Give it to me now. You, you ask for that when your father or mother die. You don't do it you know, while they're living. What an insult. But in this story, the father doesn't say a thing. He just gives it to him. He is truly a loving father, maybe a spoiling father, I don't know, but he, he gives the son half of everything that he owns. The other half will be for the other brother when he dies. So this brat goes out and spends it all, wastes it, and then as luck would have it, there's a famine. So he, he's starving. So he goes to work for a farm, a pig owner. Now this is Jesus at his best again. Uh, Jews didn't Eat pork, they didn't even want to touch a pig. And so he has to go work on a pig farm. And as he's feeding the pigs these pods, he said, I'm starving. If if only somebody would offer me these pods so I could eat something, and then a light goes on his head and he says, Oh wait, he comes to his senses. And this little speech that he works up, I often use this in confession, or when someone comes to my office and they have a problem with their parent and they've fallen out of grace with their dad or mom, and they want to go back, but they don't quite know how to do it. So I say, I got the per- perfect speech for you. I tell them the story. I say, you go in and you, you go for, the, for, for the, you know, the biggest, you say, Dad or Mom, I've sinned against God and you. What an opening. Sinned against God and against you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son or your daughter. Just let me come home and be a servant or a slave, please. I say, you say that to your mom or dad, and they might think that a light has gone on in your head too. But this is what he says. He practices it, and then he goes on home. He's going to tell his dad. And then the story gets better. He's way far away, and the dad sees him, and the dad runs to him because, as the story says, he's filled with compassion. He's delighted that his son's okay and he's coming home. He runs to him, and when he gets to his son, the son starts his speech. Father, I've sinned against God and you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. But before he can get the third line out, the father starts kissing him, embracing him. Hurry up, bring the finest robe, get sandals for his feet, a ring for his finger, kill the fattened calf, we're going to have a big feast. My son is home. And they go off and the party begins. Now, if the story ended right here, that'd be enough. I mean, really, what a great story. This is the story of the prodigal son, but it's also the story of a loving father, an incredibly loving father. But the best is yet to come, or the worst, depending on how you see it. The older brother, who is, in his own words, says, I've never broken one of your commands, Father, ever. I've done all the work all the time. He reminds me of of people in the church, even priests, even bishops, who uh, do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. They, um... They do some wonderful stuff. They sacrifice. They, they really pour out their lives in service. And then they're mad. They're resentful because nobody gave them enough praise. Look at all the stuff I've done. How come they got a, a Monsignor title and I didn't? Something like that. Well, that's not why you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it because you believe in doing it. But here this son, he was angry. He probably didn't get along with his creepy little bratty brother. But here he is, angry. His brother comes home safe. He doesn't even refer to him as his brother. He doesn't say, Father, my brother came home. He says, Your son came home. Your son. And he blew all that money, wasted everything, and now he comes home and you throw a feast for him. You never even threw a little party for me and let me have a kid goat or or lamb for my friends. He is angry and resentful off the chart. And then his dad begins imploring him. He said, son, come into the party. Look, your brother was dead. He's come back to life. He's lost and he's found. We've got to celebrate. So the big question becomes this. Did the oldest son go into the party? Doesn't say. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I've been there. I've been there resentful and, and not coming to the party, and I'll show them We've probably all done that at some time in our life. So we don't know. What, did the Pharisees and scribes get what Jesus was saying? Do you think they said, oh, Jesus, now that's a good story. Wow, we get it. Hello, we get it. I kind of doubt it. They never really got it. Actually, they did that to him afterward at some point. So, you know, here's the story of reconciling love. A father who all he could do was love and forgive. That's it. All he could do was love and forgive. And one son, he was a brat. He was a brat, but it didn't show evilness on his part. He just was a brat. He wanted what he wanted when he wanted it. But the other brother, oh, my God. He was really dead in sin filled with anger, resentment, willing to cut off all ties, even now with his father. Wow. So we, the readers, get this story in the context of prayers and and, uh, all these sentiments about reconciliation. We, the readers, get to look at a world right now that is so split. And let's say, just for the sake of discussion, that Putin today said, "Okay, I will come to the table for peace, and it will be total peace. I doubt it's going to happen. But let's say he did. Could the Ukrainians forgive the Russians ever? Ever? I don't know. Especially if you lost a family member, your home, everything you had, your husband, your wife, never saw your kid again. Could they easily forgive? Would they even want to be reconciled? Hmm. But we get this message, and if we look at it in terms of Ukraine and Russia, you know, it just seems inconceivable that reconciliation will ever come to those two countries. But what about us? We're not in a war, but there may be all kinds of little ways in which we need to be reconciled. People in our family, friends we haven't talked to for years because we were hurt, Or even with God, you know, maybe we're angry at God or feel distant from God. And maybe we need reconciliation there. Or maybe, as I suggested in the confessional, even to reconcile within oneself. I am redeemable. I can be brought back to God. God's mercy does make a difference. I want to be reconciled. Today, as we leap into the last part of Lent in beautiful pink colors, rejoicing, uh, laetare, the Latin, rejoicing. The question is, do we see reconciliation as something valuable and something possible and something that we want and something that we're willing to do and something that we're even willing to go out and tell the world about like ambassadors for Christ? Tell the world about the possibility of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Because if we open up that possibility, Jesus promises the gift of life.